whether you want to call it the universe or nature or God or whatever, it was it, that force was trying to communicate with me and I was ignoring it. Mm. There's a, a teaching from the Vedic traditions of, of the world being a, a, a cycle of creation, maintenance and destruction. And it was very clear that I wasn't moving into creating what I wanted to create. I was stuck in this maintaining phase of what I should do and maintaining that kind of, well, this is what I need to do to progress and this is how I'm mm. going to be the person that I think I need to be to everybody else and to myself in, in some way. And that destructive force just kept coming in. You know, I lost my health and mm. it was like then your skin and then all these different things that just kept happening was like, hey, you're not listening, you're not listening, you're not listening, you're not listening. How, how many things need to be thrown at you before you actually stop and listen mm. and, and recheck in? Welcome to Retreat Yourself Radio. I'm your host, Kate Williams. I'm a personal trainer, certified health coach, and founder of Retreat Yourself. If you're looking for a healthier, happier, and more fulfilled life, then you've come to the right place. Each week, I'll be diving deep into what it means to live a life well lived, holding thought-provoking conversations with some of the world's most inspiring people, leaving you with actionable tips, tools, and takeaways so that you too can lead a life well lived. So grab a cuppa, sit back, relax and enjoy. It's time to begin your journey to your most incredible life. Hello everybody. I hope you're well and managing to stay sane amidst the craziness of the world at the moment. I finished my 14-day quarantine last week and it was nothing short of amazing. I just absolutely loved being able to leave the house and go for a walk on the beach. Really made me appreciate it so much and it actually got me thinking about you know, at the moment we're all stuck inside and we're having to not do the things that we normally would do, like go out for dinner or go out for breakfast and go and hang out with our friends. And it made me realize how much we take for granted and how much we really need to appreciate what we've got in our lives. This situation, while it isn't exactly ideal, it really is an opportunity to realize how, how lucky we are and how much we have. But talking about today's episode, <laughs> this week I'm speaking to somebody who inspires me on the daily, the beautiful and incredible Emma Maidman. Emma is a driven and ambitious entrepreneur. She founded Flow State Retreats, which is a yoga, surf, and fitness retreat. She also founded Ritual Retreats, which is a yoga and meditation retreat. She is also a yoga teacher and helps businesses with mindful marketing and management. She really is a jack of all trades. And if you're not impressed by all of this, Emma recently launched Flow State Studios, which is an online yoga studio, which is perfect for the isolation that we're finding ourselves in now. Flow State Studios actually came as a result of Emma's world being turned upside down recently when all of her retreats and her yoga classes were cancelled because of the current situation. Instead of wallowing in self-pity, Emma picked herself up and created something new. You'll actually hear in this episode that throughout Emma's whole life, she has demonstrated the ability to adapt to new situations and pivot when necessary. From traveling the world, working in Silicon Valley in a corporate PR role, to giving it all up to start a career in yoga. Emma's grounded nature and innate wisdom will leave you feeling refreshed and inspired, just like I did after our chat. I'd also better add that Emma is actually offering our listeners a free class at Flow State Studios. So all you have to do 
is head to flowstatestudios.com and sign up for a class using the code retreatflow. I will write this in the show notes. I'll put the website and the code there so that you can go and book yourself in a nice yoga class. I really hope you enjoy this episode. I promise you'll be feeling so much more joyful after listening. Welcome to Retreat Yourself Radio, Emma. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) So good to have you on here. I really appreciate you taking the time to come and join me. So I always do an intro at the start. I like to do the intro kind of behind the scenes. I can tell everyone about you and what you do. And I always like to start the podcast by asking people about something that really brings them down to earth. Mm -hmm. I think like I say this every time, but you know, people that are achieving things and they're on social media and they're doing speaking gigs and everything like that, it can seem quite unobtainable to to some people. So I like to ask a question that really makes you seem quite human. So I'm going to ask you what your quirkiest quality is. Quirkiest quality. There's actually a couple. Um, (laughs) One thing that people find kind of strange about me is I eat lemons like oranges. Oh, wow. I always have. My I sister feel like and I. So weird. It's so weird. <laughs> so My sister and I have just always, I don't know where it came from. We just love lemons. And I literally put lemon on everything. Do you think it's like, you know, when you eat chili, you build up a tolerance to chili? Do you think yeah, you build up a tolerance maybe. to Maybe. I don't know. I just, I love the flavor. And I'm like that weirdo if, you know, someone has a lemon in their drink and then they don't eat it, I'll just be like, can I just take that? And- <laughs> <laughs> Do you like the sour lollies and stuff? I don't really like lollies. Okay. That's another weird thing. Yeah, As a yeah. little kid, I never liked lollies. And, oh, the, you know, and like people would always try and give you a lolly and I'd always be like, no, thanks. I don't like them. And people would look at my mum like, oh, what a weirdo. Uh, what's wrong with you, like, kid? Like my favourite food growing up was a bowl of silver beet and lemon. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Your mum would have been stoked. <laughs> I don't know where it came from. It's just I just loved it. Most people are trying to force their kids to eat their veggies and you're like, give them to me. I hated pizza. I hated like I never didn't try a Mars bar until I was in Wow. I just was I just was I just told myself I didn't like it. Yeah. I was like a fussy eater in the sense of I would only eat vegetables. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so I guess that's kind of quirky. Yeah. That's <laughs> Not much good. has changed. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Do you yeah. have any anything else you said yet? A few. Um, <laughs> the other thing that uh, someone made me aware of oh, about a year ago now was they're like, you always make sound effects for everything. Awesome. And I do it a lot when I'm teaching yoga. I'll, I'll say like shum or whatever. It's kind of weird. And then, yeah, they pointed it out. I was I was like they'd recorded me speaking and it was I was like, oh, yeah, I do. I like create this soundscape for my life of like sound effects for each moment. That's amazing. Just take people on a journey. It's <laughs> probably all the lemon. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Just setting my brain in some way. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so like I said, I do an intro at the start about you and there's a bit of an intro or well, there's information about you in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But I always think it's important to hear from people what they do from themselves because it's really great. I can have a perspective on what you do, but your perspective might be quite different. So I'd love for you to explain what you do in your own words. Yeah, sure. It's something that um, is quite ironic coming from a background in public relations and being very trained in media and whatnot. And then applying that to yourself, it's like, ah. Yeah. So I do it all wrong, probably. <laughs> um, but I guess the the main thing that I do is I teach yoga and meditation. Um, I do that. I teach retreats, um, immersions. I teach classes. I do privates, and I do a lot in the corporate world. Um, that's kind of the main, um, I guess, source of income. 
and job, if yeah. you like, that yeah. I have. Um, and then I also do a lot of writing, um, public speaking um, at events and things, and then also the back end of, of running the retreat businesses. So I run um, a retreat business called Flow States Retreats with my partner Tyson, um, and that's a yoga, surf, and fitness retreat. And then the kind okay. of sub-brand of that is Ritual Retreats, which is a retreat in Bali and in India, yeah. which Amazing. is more um, yoga meditation specific. So a lot of time and energy goes into running retreats and the kind of back end of, you know, um, I guess it's like running a tra- any travel company really. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's so much more. But, yeah, then writing the courses and the retreat formula and things like that that go with that. So I do a lot of that. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, as I said, I do a bit of, of speaking um, in the wellness space but also in the corporate space as well. That's kind of mostly yeah, <laughs> wow. There's a few random things thrown in there. You've got your finger in so many different pies. Yeah. Like even though they're all so related, yeah. I just feel like even with running retreats, like I've ran events before, there's so many moving parts. Mm. So to be having two different retreat businesses with lots of moving parts and then you're doing yoga and then you're doing speaking and you're teaching yeah. meditation and all this <laughs> other stuff, like how do you keep yourself organised? Um, I'm addicted to my calendar. <laughs> if something – if like I – if I make a meeting with someone straight away, I'm like, oh, either you're sending me a calendar invite or I'm sending you a calendar invite. Yeah. I'm very organized like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think over the years, I've just learned to be really mindful of my time and how I spend my time and scheduling in, you know, those rest days or gym days or the non-negotiable things like obviously meditating twice a day is something that is a big one for me. So making sure that's actually in my calendar, that's the Virgo coming out in me, (laughs) Um, but making sure that it's organized and I think over the years I would do that, but I would literally have a calendar that was back to back to back to back to back to back. Yeah. And so I've gotten better at the beginning of the week, just kind of having a holistic overview of like, okay, what's coming up and managing my energy accordingly. If I have a big speaking gig or if I'm, you know, if I have a lot of back end stuff to do, or if I'm facilitating a retreat, I always try and take a couple of days off afterwards to recover. Yeah. And I learned that the hard way from running two back to back retreats once in Bali and having like 12 hours in between and then just being by the end of it a zombie yeah that I mean was that really serving me in my best interest you know so sort of making I learned everything the hard way (laughs) so making those mistakes and then realizing okay if I'm a little bit more measured in my approach and if I say no to more things and can create space for creativity to be able to do the things that I really want to do that light me up um and I think that's always a challenge when what you do for work is what you love and mm-hmm. it is a part of your life. And I think that's the unique thing about being a yoga teacher and a meditation teacher is that the philosophy behind that is very much um, how I live my life and how I aspire to live my life. And so it becomes a huge part of, of who you are and what you do. It's not just a job mm-hmm. um, that you switch on and off for. But that being said, it's becoming increasingly important for me to have interests and in things outside of that because for a long time it was, what do you do in your spare time? Oh, I do yoga. Yeah. Oh, what, what else do you do for fun? Oh, I'll do acro yoga. It's like, ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah, and I think what we're saying, so for you guys listening, before we started the podcast we were talking about kind of being – A-type personalities and just Mm. go, 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 go. And I think a lot of people learn the hard way. I think often that's the best way to learn. I don't think I could learn. If somebody tells me to do something, I'm like, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. I'm not going (laughs) to learn that until I actually do it myself. So it's it's incredible. So many people, like I'm still a culprit of doing this. I'll be like, 
plan out my day from like eight till five or five thirty, back to back everything, and then you don't get everything done. So it's incredible that you've learned how to plan your day out like that. And I think it's just um, like I'll know the days that I'm teaching a lot or if I have a lot of privates or if I'm doing a big corporate session, it's kind of I think understanding that that does take energy and even mm-hmm. though it's something that I love and it fills me up, I do need that kind of downtime outside of that. And then, you know, when I first started doing this, I would do, you know, I'd teach like three classes and then I'd be on my laptop in a cafe in between and then I'd go and do a private or whatever it was and I was just trying to cram so much into the space of a day and kind of taking a bit of a chill pill and going, okay, how do I keep myself um, really nourished and mm-hmm. look after myself so that I'm, I'm scheduling in that me time, if you want to call it that, whatever, to make sure that my cup's full because then what I give to everyone that I that I work with and that I serve is going to be so much more potent. Mm-hmm. And the more that you know yourself and the more that you look after yourself, everything else is it just flourishes from that space. Yeah, absolutely. How did you get into yoga? Because you were saying that you came from a PR background, mm. which I'd love to talk more about as well. But how did you get into yoga? Like when did that all come about? So it, I actually found yoga when I was in high school. Oh, awesome. Mostly because I hated sports. <laughs> <laughs> and there was an option – I think I was in about grade 10 that you could go to a local gym as part of the PE. They were trying to, you know, give you different options. And I'm like, that is for me. I'm going to go and sit on the gym floor and talk to my friends. (laughs) And then the teachers kind of clued onto that's what we were doing. And they're like, okay, if you're going to pick, you know, gym as your sport, you have to actually do something. It's like, damn it, they're onto me. So there was a yoga class. And I'm like, well, that seems like the easiest thing here. I was much more of an academic than I was a sporting uh, superstar. (laughs) And so I went to this yoga class and it was, you know, it was yoga at a gym and the lady was probably probably in her 60s teaching it and I was like oh this is this is cool like I'm actually really inflexible I cannot touch my toes oh times have changed yeah times have changed (laughs) people look at me like did you used to be a dancer I'm like no this is years of yoga (laughs) so I just kind of thought oh this is a good way to you know increase flexibility and it's it's fun and and I didn't I didn't do it I did it maybe like two or three times a week while I was at school if I'd go to this gym and then kind of sporadically towards, you know, finishing school. I grew up in New South Wales, so doing my HSC and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then when I moved to Melbourne to study public relations, I just started going to, to yoga classes. Again, it was kind of that, I think like a lot of people, I'm like, okay, well, I don't really enjoy exercise. This is the closest thing to exercise that I enjoy, so I'm going to do that. Yeah. Um, and so it was very much a physical thing. And I always hated the part when they'd make you meditate at the end. I was like, <laughs> God damn it, I don't want to sit. I didn't pay to sit here. Like I was so that person. <laughs> I just want to move my body, gosh. Um, and so that was kind of my journey for the first, you know, few years of my practice. And then it wasn't until um, I was I was in my last year of uni and I'd been overseas partying like a rock star in <laughs> Thailand, drinking all the buckets and doing all the things oh, that buckets. you shouldn't do and, yeah, you yeah. know, tubing in Laos and all that <laughs> wild stuff. And I, um, at the time, I didn't realise it, but I'd gotten sick. I had a parasite infection and a bacterial infection. Um, and when I came home, I went to the doctor and they just bombed me with antibiotics. Like, we think you have parasites, but just take these, they'll be fine. It didn't go away. So it was a year of them going undiagnosed. And because the antibiotics didn't work, um, they went down the road of, of like, they, they thought I had bowel cancer. They thought I had Crohn's disease. They thought I had, I had like all the colonoscopies and gastroscopies. And I remember once I was sitting in a, um, an x-ray machine drinking chalk so they could measure the, like, how you're... Oh, uh, um, the barium swallow thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've had to do that. And I was it's sitting disgusting. there being like, my God, what the hell am I doing with my life? Like, <laughs> and I kept saying to the doctor the whole time, 
something happened when I was in Thailand. Like that was the moment I felt the shift in my body. Mm-hmm. Something happened there. And, and he said to me, he's like, listen, love, not everything in life is, you know, related. And I, it was at that point that I started going to yoga pretty much every day. And it became the only thing that was keeping me sane. And I finished my degree. I weighed about 42 kilos. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was tiny. Um, wow. Most of my hair had fallen out. I was covered in acne and I was just a total psychopath because I was literally eating a hand. I could keep down a handful of food and everything would, I had like a spasming sphincter. So everything would just like vomit back up basically. Sorry, that's gross. Oh, like regurgitate. Um, Regurgitate like a penguin. (laughs) (laughs) It's like taste the same going up as it does going down. Um, And I had, yeah, right. I had stomach (laughs) ulcers. Like I was a hot mess and going to yoga was, that was the moment where, I suddenly understood the meditation stuff. I suddenly, because I couldn't physically do all the things that I wanted, all the strong Mm. shapes I wanted to do, my body was so weak, I started to kind of be like, oh, there's more to this than just touching your toes or doing a handstand. Like there's something to this practice. And every time I got on the mat, there was this connection to this inner space that was like, listen to yourself. You're right. You know what's, you know what happened to you. Stop listening to this, to the external people. But Mm. of course, I would have been about 19 or 20 at the time you know, you're so conditioned to listen to what the doctor says. And I'd tried a lot of natural health. I tried naturopaths and things and it just, it hadn't worked at the time. And so I'd kind of was like, I really want to do this naturally, but I've given up on that. And then I remember sitting in a gastrologist's office and I was a mess and she'd, um, they'd just done, I think like the third colonoscopy or something. And she's like, well, you know, look, your, your bowels are really inflamed, but there's no cancer. There's nothing there that is within my scope of work. So at least you'll look like Miley Cyrus by Christmas. Oh my God. And I was like, oh. I just burst into tears and I'm like, oh my God, that's not what I'm trying to do. No, no. And then the doctors started to make me feel like it was a, like I had an eating disorder or that I was making this up to get attention or whatever. And it was, you start to go a little bit, like I went a little bit crazy. I'm like, am I making this up? Have I just, is there nothing wrong with me? And I'm just like, I was so confused. But every time I got on my yoga mat, it was like, you know that something happened in Thailand. That inner voice came out. The inner voice just was so strong. Mm. And so a friend dragged me to bioresonance testing, which is a natural therapies way of, of testing for allergens and parasites in the body. And straight away she identified the parasite and the bacteria that I had and was like, cool, you're looking at a week to kill them and seven years to repair the damage you've done to your gut in the process and I was like okay well yay that I know yeah but that relief what a process and so yeah and so that was when I obviously got rid of the parasites and then um was religiously practicing yoga every day and loving it but my headspace was so in my type a um career climbing Mm. I always saw the two parts of my personality it's like oh that's hippie m and you know, like when I was 16, I went and volunteered in an orphanage in Cambodia by myself and I like loved that That's whole, amazing. yeah, that whole lifestyle of yeah. I want to help people. But then I couldn't reconcile my career. I'm going to be super successful and I'm going to be the CEO of this company, blah, blah, blah. It's like, like who you thought thought you were. Yeah, who I thought I really should were. be. Yeah, exactly. Who I thought yeah. I should be. Yeah. And so I was still going to yoga and I was still having these these glimpses of that realisation. Um and then sort of started pursuing my career and, yeah, that's 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 how I found yoga. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Such a story. And like, you know, you're talking about how you had like the physical symptoms and that's actually mm. what brought you closer to, to yoga. You learned the hard way. Yeah, <laughs> I always learn the hard way. <laughs> so before like going down the journey of 
health and wellness and yoga and all of this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Were you that you're working in PR? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I studied public relations at RMIT. Mm-hmm. Um, I always wanted to be a journalist, and then I being the overachiever that I am, was doing um, an internship. Uh, I grew up in Newcastle in New South Wales at Newcastle Fashion Week and I met all these girls that were studying PR and I'm like, oh, that's – I've never even heard of that. That sounds like a cool career. And then obviously watching Sex in the City, you're like, well, Samantha's fabulous, so I'll just do what she does. (laughs) And so I didn't think I'd get in but I got in and then, you know, two weeks later I moved to Melbourne um, and – about partway through my degree, I'd already done about four internships in agencies and things. Wow. And I was like, I hate this. This mm. industry sucks. Like, what have I done? This is, I could tell it wasn't me. Yeah. And um, I said to one of my lecturers once when we were talking about, you know, what do you want to do when you graduate? And I said to her, like, I only want to work in-house. I never want to work in an agency. And the kind of unwritten rule with PR is you have to earn your stripes in an agency. You have to mm. do the hard yards, get paid nothing. You know, not not every agency is bad. There's a lot of amazing um, people out there that run very ethical, great agencies, but there are a lot of crap ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I just said to her, I was like, no, I don't accept that. I, I only want to work in-house. And so I started doing that working with the police media, which was really cool. Wow. Um, and I learned so much That'd be so working with them. Yeah, yeah. it was um, yeah, it was it was really, really interesting. Uh, and then I transitioned to working um, with a tech inside a tech company. So they were a tech startup. I came on board when they'd just gotten their Series A from Excel Group, which is the same investors as like Facebook, Dropbox, Etsy. They just gotten thirty five million. Oh wow! So it was a really exciting time to come mm. on and uh, and working in that startup space. You sort of you come in as like a junior person, and within a year, I was you know I was managing their PR for Australia and Asia. I was traveling all over the world, and I'd always told myself that my dream job was to get paid to travel because I I love traveling. I've been traveling solo since I was sixteen. It's such a big part of of what I love and who mm-hmm. I am. And I remember getting to that point where I was you know traveling overseas and to work and I'm thinking this is not all it's cracked up to be I am exhausted Mm -hmm. all I want to do is go to a yoga class but I've got to go to like six networking drinks and do a press briefing and do all these things and like I've had no me time and I'm just feeling like oh god this is in my mind this was such an amazing job but in reality I was so stressed and so anxious and I think it wasn't the job. Like they were amazing people. I still keep in touch with them. Amazing company. They're doing really, really cool things but it was that I wasn't living in alignment. Yeah, I think those kinds of industries are so glamorised, like yeah. the travelling for work and moving around, but it's just so exhausting yeah. and so taxing and you get caught up in the excitement of it, but that's 100%. really... It's addictive. And, and it's, yeah, and then it, the novelty kind of wears off and mm. you're you're stuck in this this um, yeah. unfulfilling job. And the PR is so... You're on, like you're on Twitter 24-7. Mm. The news cycle never stops, so you're constantly... And we had head offices in San Francisco, so... You know, I was always in communication with the team there. So there wasn't that um, expectation of like have some downtime or whatever. It's like, well, your job is to be on, is to do, this is this is the role. That so you just, you. yeah, you just go with it. And then you kind of, you just get so conditioned to that being the way it is. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it was um, it was fun. I learned so much and there, you know, it was, I didn't learn just about PR. I learned about business and how to run a business and the startup methodology of being lean and agile and minimal viable product and all that sort of stuff that has helped me so much in all of my future endeavors. So it was definitely supposed to be a part of the journey. (laughs) I think every part of everyone's lives is supposed to be a part of it and you take from it what you need. But I suppose having, like you were saying, like having those two kind of 
um, thinking that that's the person that you should be and then mm. also being interested in yoga and wanting to feel grounded would be two really contradicting things. Yeah. How did you deal with the stress and anxiety while you were in that role? Like, did you have any practices that you managed that you used to manage that? Yeah. So I was going to yoga pretty much every day, um, twice a day sometimes, which um, definitely kept me sane and I was meditating um, and whatnot at the time. But I was I was so deeply unhappy because I wasn't living in alignment with with who I was and what I really wanted to do. And so there was no matter what I did, no matter how healthy I was or how many, you know, I remember bringing kombucha into the office before remedy and all those places was like a thing. And they're like, you weirdo, what is that weird thing with all the dregs in it that you were drinking, you psycho? Like I was the weird chick in the office. but I, I think the, the underlying cause of all of it was I wasn't listening to myself. And I remember I'd come home and my partner at the time sometimes would just be like, you just need to go for a walk or a run because I actually can't deal with your energy like right now. You need to get your headspace because I was so yeah. – I drink so much coffee throughout the day. Mm. I was so – my adrenals were pumping. And um, at the time I still had really bad acne. So I'd been working on clearing up my gut. My gut health was going really well and – my naturopath is like, okay, so we fix, you know, your gut's really, really on track, but your skin's indicating that there's something else going on. Mm-hmm. And um, she said to me, she was also a psychologist, and she was like, do you think that you could be stressed? And I was kind of like rocking back and forth on my chair like a psycho <laughs> with wide eyes, being like, I'm not stressed, I do yoga. <laughs> she was like, okay. <laughs> You're stressed. Okay, You're sure. Totally. And so we did a hormone test and – turns out I had polycystic ovaries. So I went and had an internal um, ultrasound and there were cysts. And that was kind of that moment I was like, oh, shit, I I think that I'm doing all the right things. Like I'm band-aiding it with I went to a yoga class and I'm meditating and I'm doing all these things, but I'm not addressing the underlying issue, which is that I'm actually really unhappy and I'm not living in alignment with my soul's calling and purpose. And that's what's causing me so much, you know, this experience of anxiety. Mm. Um and so I went on that journey of, and also when it's when it's your skin and it's on your face, there's a lot of motivation yeah. to do something about yeah, it because yeah, it's like, okay, it's like full on cystic acne. It's mm. um, it's full on. And so I sort of started going down that path of, okay, I'm I'm meditating, but I'm not really meditating. I'm doing it as like the token. I went to that class, therefore I meditated, rather than actually connecting with the practice and, and diving deeper and just ticking it off. Yeah. I was just ticking it off my to-do list, like done the meditation class next. And it's, again, it was sort of like my practices evolved over the years of going from very surface level to just deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper as my understanding of self has evolved. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that definitely kept me sane at that time, but it was, it was actually taking space to sit down and and be like, who am I? What am I doing? And using the practices of yoga and meditation to tap into that space, to, to listen, to ultimately find stillness. Like I was so afraid of stillness Mm -hmm. that I would just fill it with a yoga class or I'd fill it with doing something. Um, I didn't take that time to just, to sit and be and to allow inner self to reveal itself and so the more that I started going out in nature and you know I did a couple of trips and had some time off and and that's when it became really clear that like I'm not living in alignment and I actually am really interested in yoga and maybe I want to do a teacher training just as a way of deepening my practice and Mm -hmm. that was kind of how that all started. (laughs) Yeah we just started to unravel like that. Yeah I came home um, from a work trip 
from San Francisco, super jet lagged. And I was just like, I'm done. I'm so done with this. Like I thought that I was living my dream life and this is not how I thought it was going to be. And I'm so miserable and I'm just a mess. Um, That's it. I'm quitting. And I got online and looked up tickets and just bought a one-way ticket to Europe. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) In six months time and was like, that's it. This is what I'm doing. And it was, it was that moment of clarity of like, I have to do this. I have Mm. to cut the cord because I kept getting like, you know, like they, you'd think about leaving and they'd be like, we want to give you a rise. And you're like, (laughs) damn it, a raise. Um, So it's sort of that decision then was like, great, in that time I'm going to do my teacher training and I'm going to invest in doing all these, deepening this practice of of understanding myself. Mm. What did you do when you went to Europe? Um, So I spent about six months Mm travelling. I thought it would be a great idea to like go woofing and like work on an organic (laughs) farm. Oh, yeah, awesome. I lasted two weeks. Oh, really? Why? I'm so not a farm girl. (laughs) I hated it. (laughs) Again, one of those like – you should do this and you should be like that. Yeah. My partner at the time, who I'm, I'm still really good friends with, he loved it. He was having like, it was his dream life. And I was <laughs> like, oh my God, like the French are very, um, we're in France at the time. They're not the kindest to animals, even though it was organic farm, just their ways of doing things was quite traumatic. I think mm. I'd never, I'd never experienced farm life. And so I was like, ah, oh, I just, I'm not about this. I, and I didn't like being on someone else's schedule. And I just wanted to, I was getting up at like 4am so I could do my yoga practice. And I'm like, nah, and then you're going out with the cow. Yeah. I was like, this, <laughs> this is a nice idea, but it's not for me. So we ended up living in Berlin. Um, oh, so we cool. sort of traveled around a bit and then got to Berlin and, um, through acro yoga, met some really amazing friends. And then, um, Ended up, yeah, living there for about 18 months and, and working and free. I was teaching yoga and doing some freelance writing and that's yeah. sort of, yeah, what I did there and just travelled a bunch. It was great. That's Loved ama- it. That's amazing. I think with, you know, your whole PR thing, a lot of people would look at that and be like, you've made it in life. I think society puts this idea on it, like mm. this idea on us that we have to get to a certain point. We have to climb the corporate ladder. I yeah. definitely fell into that myself. How do you think you had the courage to actually make the step? Was it a slow transition or was it just like bad? I was still pretty young, you know, mm. like I, I, all this stuff happened over yeah. the, a, a, a pretty short amount of time. And I think it's because that voice was so loud and you know, the, whether you want to call it the universe or nature or God or whatever, it was it, that force was trying to communicate with me and I was ignoring it. Mm. Um, there's a, a teaching from the Vedic traditions of, of the world being a, a, a cycle of creation, maintenance and destruction. And it was very clear that I wasn't moving into creating what I wanted to create. I was stuck in this maintaining phase of what I should do and maintaining that kind of, well, this is what I need to do to progress and this is how I'm mm. going to be the person that I think I need to be to everybody else and to myself in in some way. And that destructive force just kept coming in. You know, I lost my health and mm. it was like then your skin and then all these different things that just kept happening was like, hey, you're not listening, you're not listening, you're not listening, you're not listening. How how many things need to be thrown at you before you actually stop and listen mm. and and recheck in? So I was, was probably about 24 when all of that happened because um, I'd done so many internships and things like that throughout uni. I'd been working in the industry for such a long time. I'd had jobs within it. I was already consulting. Like I was doing a bunch of stuff. Um, 
so it kind of it fast tracked the whole process and i think again that was also meant to happen to kind of fast track the growth and all of that to make it to make me see that this is not serving me yeah um yeah. and something needs to be to be looked at to be examined and to actually look at it and then consciously make a change and i think that's the hard part for a lot of people and you can't ignore what you know once you know something it's like once you see a scary movie you cannot unsee it which is why i hate watching scary movies yeah absolutely oh. no i'm just- <laughs> But once you know something like that inner voice tells you something, yeah. it's no matter how much you try and, oh, screw it, I'll just drink a bunch of alcohol and try and numb that voice or I'll just do all these other things that I think numb it, mm. it's always there. It's always communicating with you and it's like, hey, you're not listening, you're not listening, you're not listening, and then one day you're like, okay, I surrender. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going to listen and follow the flow rather than being in just such adverse you know, resistance to it. Exactly. Do you feel like it has something to do with personal values as well? Because I feel like a lot of the time people stay in jobs that they don't like or they mm. do things that they don't like and they're not in alignment with their life because they feel that they, they value the wrong thing. So mm. maybe they value uh, an expensive car or like mm. expensive clothing or, um, you know, that kind of thing. I just feel like often as a person it's really important that you're obviously aware of you know what the universe or nature or whatever is trying to tell you but also being Mm. aware of what your values are and what's driving that 100% I um I taught this man to meditate a couple of years ago who was um, very very sick with cancer and he'd been a, a lawyer for very high profile criminal cases his whole life and when I first met him he said to me um He's like, you know, I never saw success unless there was a BMW at the end of it. I didn't want to hear about Mm. it. Like I've been so driven by money and by this and that. And he said to me, now I live in this beautiful mansion. I've got a car full of garage, a garage full of cars (laughs) and, um, and I'm potentially looking at my, you know, I'm potentially going to die and none of it means anything. My kids don't speak to me. I'm desperately unhappy. And he just, he broke down and this is, you know, like a Mm. a, a 65 year old man and, I told him how to meditate and he had this experience with something beyond all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's his whole life changed from that and he's he's still doing really well. Oh, that's um, amazing. But that, that fundamental, what you were talking about before, is that connection to your values um, and valuing the things that you actually value. So for a long time I did quite a bit of consulting um, for health and wellness businesses on PR and marketing. And one thing that I noticed for a lot of people was that their personal values weren't in alignment with their business values. Mm-hmm. And as an entrepreneur, it's, your business is who you are mm-hmm. to an extent. Obviously, you scale it at a certain point, but that fundamental um, like footing underneath or what do you call it, foundation has to be values. And values are something I come back to all the time. Like I'll do an exercise where I write down a whole bunch of them and I get people that I work with to do this too and then narrow it down to to three um, and three that like I always think of it as like don't think of this as something you're going to put on Instagram yeah. because we sometimes pick the things like oh I value like connection because it makes me sound like I care about people. And that's when ego comes in. Ego comes it. in, right? Yeah. It's like do you actually value that or do you value freedom? Is that higher? And really I usually do a meditation with them to get them tapped into that space. Mm. And then those three values I get them to write down a definition of what that what that means to them and then the actions that they're taking to live those values mm. and what that provides me with personally when I when I do that and this is on my fridge I do this my partner and I revisit them all the time um, is that value-based decision making so that when an opportunity comes up it's like is this aligned okay it ticks two out of the three values or yep all three of them are part of it or like oh it's super shiny and it's relevant to what I do but my three values at the moment aren't 
you know, it's not it's not in alignment at this time. So I'm going to yeah, let that opportunity go. And I think that, you know, you can work in a full-time job in a company and you can be really happy. You, there's a lot of amazing workplaces out there. You don't have to quit your job and mm. start a business or become a yoga teacher or whatever it is. It's everyone's path, everyone's dharma is different. But the, that alignment piece is is so important. And if you're working within an organisation that is aligned with your values, then you've got much more of a chance of being happy and fulfilled in your work life, which is where you spend most of your time Mm. than working within something that's, you know, there's that inner voice that's like this is not aligned and it just it just feels like eh, like scratchy and icky. There's a sound effect. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. I love it. I'm going to listen back over this and be like, where are all the sound effects? (laughs) Yeah, it's so true. And I think social media – I feel like the last kind of five to ten years have been the years of the side hustle or the mm. years of the entrepreneur. Mm. I, I really don't like that word personally. Yeah. I just feel like it's been thrown around and glamorized way too yeah. much. So I feel like a lot of people, if they've just got a, a job that they go to for eight hours a day and they come home, they feel like that's not enough. Mm. But it could be completely in alignment with what you're about. It could completely align with your core values. Mm. And you may not be someone that needs to go out there and start your own business or even want to do that but I just feel like it's been a funny kind of yeah but you can never underestimate the impact that you can have within a workspace you know I say this to a lot of students that are really passionate about yoga and meditation they're like maybe I'll just become a yoga teacher maybe that's what it is and it's like well you have the opportunity to to be the embodiment of these teachings in every single environment that you're in so you could change people's lives by just working beside them and mm-hmm. them seeing what's within you and then asking questions and, you know, you don't, you don't have to go down that road of screw it, I'm going to sell everything and that might not be your path in this lifetime. Yeah. And I think knowing that and not comparing yourself to others is such a big one. And on social media, it's we say it all the time, like, don't forget it's a highlight reel, but it's so easy to fall into like, <laughs> yeah. this person's doing all this cool stuff. And, you know, you don't see them when they're doing the stuff that's not super sexy or exciting, <laughs> or they just, you know, like, it's it'd be very different if everyone mm. had their own reality show where literally mm. 24 hours a day, you're being followed around, suddenly life wouldn't seem as glamorous. But when you're seeing those you know, 20 second, 30 second, two minute videos, of here I'm in Bali doing this and here I am doing this. It seems, you know, so different to to what it is. And I think that's why you can't look outside of yourself. You have to, it has to be an internal thing. And if your inner compass is centered and and guiding you towards your your true north for lack of a better cliche, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, that's where fulfillment comes from. That's where connection to purpose comes from um, and fulfillment comes from. But if you're constantly looking to other people, then your compass, it's like it's being just shaken up Mm. and you're not clear of your path. And that's, that's, you know, the practice of yoga is a journey to the self through the self. So even though we might do it in a room with other people, it's a self practice and and a self realization. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you said about, you know, you can make a change within your workplace. Mm. I think so many people, and I was definitely one of these people that was like, I'm going to go out and change the world and I'm going to change the lives of so many different people. But it's like, you can actually be a shining light and you can be a positive beam of energy and you might change the person next to you's life just by being that person and they might see you and then they try and embody it and then it's like a flow-on effect. You don't have to go out there and want to change the world to actually change the world. Yeah, you don't have to start a global not-for-profit that's some big grand scale. It it just, I think it comes back to that idea of of Dharma, which basically means your um, role or contribution to the natural evolution of the universe. So... Mm -hmm. What are you here to contribute? For some people, that's to be an amazing mother 
and to raise beautiful conscious children and to have an impact. Like some people, you know, it might be to work in an organisation and have a ripple effect on those around them. It's mm. so different for each person because everyone has different values and different things that that light them up. We're not the same by design for a reason. Mm. And that's kind of, I think, where this age of social media comes in is that we think we need to be doing what that other person is doing. But, you know, I say this to people all the time, don't compare your beginning to someone's middle because you have no idea what, you know, what their background is or what their actual purpose is or how happy they are. Mm. If, if they're sitting in bed at night feeling like I'm super aligned and I feel great or if they're like, oh, shit, this is, it might look great but it's not super aligned with yeah. what I really want to do, which is be a vet or what, you know, like yeah, you just, totally. everyone's got their own stuff. Yeah. I was actually having a conversation yesterday with um, a friend and we were talking about comparison and she was talking about people that she's like, oh, and they have this and they're beautiful. And, and I'm like, stop. Mm. Like you cannot compare your life and what you're doing mm. to somebody else, regardless of whether it's on social media or in the workplace, or maybe they're a fa um, family member or a friend. Mm. The minute you compare yourself to them, you're taking the power away from you mm. and you're putting your energy into, you know, comparison. And there's just absolutely nothing that will come, nothing good will come from comparison. No. So I was like, bring the power back to you. Like, what can you change within you to become a better person or, or somebody that you want to be like mm. you know and I think that the, the social media absolutely highlights that like it's like a lot of people go online I've managed to build up a resilience to it like mm. I don't often but it's taken years and years of practice where it's like bring the power back to you bring the yeah. power back to you and I find I slip into it every now and then where I'll fall down that scrolling hole and I start and I notice straight away this isn't making me feel happy and uplifted mm -hmm. now I'm just thinking I should get that thing or what it's like whoa hang on and that's what it's designed to do. And it can be a really powerful tool. Like I'm definitely not anti-social media. I yeah. use it all the time. Yeah, totally. Um, and I think it's a great way to connect and to reach people and to share, you know, your values and your life or whatever it is, your business, or it, it definitely has huge positives. But I think it's also really important to remember that people are choosing what they're sharing. They're not being forced to share exactly. you know, the bad yeah. stuff. They're choosing consciously, I'm going to share this this thing or this event that I'm doing or whatever it is. Yeah. And so that coming, always coming back to yourself and that own, yeah, that empowerment of like, who am I and what am I doing and how am I staying true to that? Yeah. And I, if is this is taking, if this is shaking my compass up, then it's not serving me. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a bit of a segue into um, our 10 pillars. So always at the end of a podcast, I always like to talk about our 10 pillars. So mm -hmm. our 10 pillars, basically I've created them as a way to break down wellness. I think the word wellness gets thrown around all the time and people are like, I need to focus on my wellness. Like what does wellness actually mean? Yeah. To me, well, wellness is a feeling. It's it's how you're experiencing your everyday life. It's how much joy and fulfillment you get from your everyday life, which comes from so many different things. Um, but breaking it down into 10 parts, I mean, you've got 10 different parts to kind of focus on. So I always like to ask a guest a question in each area. I'm going to start with mind um, and I'm going to connect it back to what we were just talking about, um, comparison on social media and comparison mm -hmm. to other people's highlight reels, because I think that all comes down to mind and mindset. I think the minute we bring awareness to our mind and our thoughts, we've got the ability to change what we're experiencing and how we're experiencing our lives. So if you could give one tip to somebody who is on social media and, and feeling um, inadequate or they were comparing themselves to others, do you have a specific practice that you would do or something that you would implement to stop that? 
I think the the underlying thing of all of that is know who you are mm. and be who you are. That's mm-hmm. kind of a mantra that I live my life by. It's just be who you are. Yeah. And in those moments where, you know, you're scrolling into someone's feed and you're feeling that comparison and all those bad, like those icky feelings come up inside of you where it's like, oh, I don't know about this. That's the sound effect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, it's, it's coming back. It's putting down the phone and even just putting your hand on your heart and just taking a few breaths and coming back to your center. Yeah. And, and remembering that, you know, it's, it's not necessarily reality. Reality is what you're experiencing. And just in the way that you have the choice to not watch a scary movie, because for me, if I watch a scary movie, I'm paranoid that the bad guy is going to be in my house for like, <laughs> the next. it takes me forever to get that out of my consciousness. Yeah. Um, you have a choice what do you, what you're consuming. So if you're consuming something and it's making you feel uh then delete the person from your Instagram. Don't follow yeah. them or just mute their stories or whatever it is that you know you have that that choice and to be able to make an empowered decision in each moment of to as to what serves you and that starts with knowing yourself first of yeah. knowing the things that trigger you, knowing the things that light you up and then consciously surrounding yourself with those people in the mm. same way that you wouldn't really want to hang out with a group of friends that just made you feel like crap all the time. It's the same on social media. If you're following people and it's just making you feel, you know, it's not inspiring you. I think social media should inspire you, should empower you, should follow people that you're like, yeah, that made me feel really good or that was an insightful post or I learned something from that or whatever it is or Mm -hmm. I was inspired to go and do that workout or whatever. That's great. But if you're following people and it's just making you feel, oh, I'm feeling crap about my life, then choose not to follow them, choose to shift your attention to something else, choose to do a practice or a ritual or something that brings you back to to who you are and honour that. Yeah, I love that. It's so simple but so... (laughs) So hard to do. Yeah, so hard to do. (laughs) Like everything in life. Yeah. (laughs) Nutrition. Um, What's your diet like and why? Are you a vegetarian? I was a vegetarian and a vegan for about 12 years Mm -hmm. uh, and... Through all of my health journeys and whatnot, it was the one thing that was just not serving me. Yeah, I had right. so many food intolerances. I couldn't have any legumes, no soy, no dairy, um, no gluten. I couldn't eat nuts. I couldn't have any like sugar. Literally couldn't eat pretty much anything. Yeah. Um, and then I was so all about, you know, what I thought at the time was healthy for me, which was like raw vegan food and oh, no. eating yeah. a shitload of salad and all these things that you know, on the whole, if you have a really strong digestive system are great for you. For me, it was, it was just not serving me. And for years, my naturopath tried to be like, I think that she's like, your levels, your zinc, everything is so low. You need to have some chicken or some broth. And I was so rigidly attached to being vegetarian. And I was vegan for about three years, Mm. um, that, I was just like, nope, 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 nope. And it wasn't until, that was a long time ago, it wasn't until about a year ago that I started seeing um, an acupuncturist and she was like, your constitution, you need to eat some meat. And I was Mm. like, no, I am like (laughs) so identified, but I was so rigidly attached to this idea that that was who I was and that people would judge me if I wasn't and Mm -hmm. what I understood about the ethics behind it. I was so, it was such a hard thing for me to, let go of. And she was like, just have some broth and see how it feels. And so I had some broth and of course my gut started feeling a lot better. And that was in the seventh year of repairing from all of these Uh, things. And now I can eat croissants. I can eat all the things, not that that's like the best thing to eat, but but still, but I don't have, (laughs) I don't have any food intolerances anymore. And so I had to, I realized that that rigidity and rigid attachment to anything causes 
unhappiness Mm -hmm. because you're so rigidly attached to an idea and that defines who you are that there's no flow there and so when I released that label and was just like I eat intuitively and so most of the time I eat a lot of vegetables but I'll have some very ethically sourced meat every now and then I'll have bone broth almost every day Um, and that for me works like I was actually at the point where I was eating so many vegetables that I was going to the toilet an obscene amount of times <laughs> per day. And they're like, this is not healthy. Even though you're doing everything quote unquote healthy and what we try to get more people to do, which is eat a shitload of greens, yeah. it's moving through you so fast that you're actually absorbing none of it. And so it was sort of having to, yeah, just be more flexible yeah. to, okay, what do I need? And that comes back to that deep listening. And it's not every week that I'll eat meat. Sometimes I'm like, no, actually this week I just I want to eat vegetables or I want to have some tempeh or whatever it is. But yeah. being able to be flexible and open has created space for, you know, for, for everything to flow. Yeah. Letting go of that rigidity has been amazing. So I guess I'd call myself an intuitive eater. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny how the like eating is the one thing that, well, one of the main things that keeps us alive. Like we have to eat to get energy to Mm. be healthy to function but it's such an emotionally Mm. people become so emotionally attached and it can become such an egoic yeah part of your life like attaching i'm a vegan or i'm a i'm a paleo yeah i don't know what you call a paleo person (laughs) i'm a paleo (laughs) i do paleo do you know what i mean it's it's funny that something that is so imperative to our function becomes so into, into entwined yeah. with our ego and our personality and our identity. Well, you it's because you're informing who you are. It's the mm. same way with saying, you know, I have anxiety. I always try to get people to rephrase it to I am experiencing anxiety mm. yeah. because it, it on an energetic level takes away that you're not anxiety, yeah. you know. And I, I learned this when I was – I know this is a segue, sorry. No, it's good. Um, <laughs> I, like- I learned this when I was living in Germany and learning German and um, I always loved the way they said I'm hungry. It was ich habe Hunger. If anyone's German, I'm sorry, my pronunciation is scheiße. Das ist nicht so gut. But it basically translates to I have hunger. And I was always like, oh, they're so funny with this grammar. And then I thought about it and it was like, well, when you say I am hungry, you say that's not who you are. Mm. I'm not hungry. I am Emma. I am, you know, many other things. But I'm having an experience of hunger. So I have hunger actually kind of makes more sense when you think about it. Like I'm experiencing hunger in this moment. It doesn't define who I am. Yeah. And so I think that when we start to place those labels on ourselves, whether it's the way in which you eat or whether it's, you know, from a a mental health diagnosis point of view, it's not not to say that you shouldn't have what you have or whatever it is if a doctor tells you something that I don't want to go I don't want to say that yeah, but yeah, shifting your approach to it if, okay I'm experiencing depression I'm having an experience of anxiety mm-hmm. doesn't define who I am in my fundamental core um, consciousness it's just what I'm experiencing in my current reality right now mm-hmm. and that allows you to flow in and out of whatever it is and to, to make you're change and to, to you're not attached to it mm-hmm. and that's so liberating yeah I love that that's so cool. I'm definitely, I'm like, aha moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, movement. So how do you use yoga to connect with your authentic self? Like how would you explain that to somebody? Um, I think yoga, we kind of see it as just the physical movements, which mm-hmm. it, it is a big part of modern yoga today, but it's one tiny, one eighth of kind of what makes up the whole practice. And so I think it's kind of that gateway drug that brings people in. Mm-hmm. Um, movement wise, you know, moving in a way where you're connecting with your body, if you feel embodied, you understand, to understand the way in which your body moves is really, really empowering. Um, 
And I think that when you when you're connected in that way, you understand yourself. It's kind of that the body is that gateway to a deeper space. And when you understand yeah. how the body moves, how the breath breath moves through the body, um, all that sort of stuff, it you know it creates that that deeper connection inwards. And then yeah. once you find that connection, you're able to listen. So oh, this is a little niggle in my back is telling me you know X Y Z. Yeah. Um, so that's something that. I definitely bring into my movement practice um, and more recently I've been getting really into like actually going to the gym and lifting weights and I've found that is so empowering um, to feel in my body in, in that different way yeah. and to then allow my yoga practice to be something completely different um, based on these other sort of supplementary things that I'm doing. Yeah, and yeah, having the two as well, like experiencing both, which is awesome. Yeah. With love, what is your non-negotiable self-love activity? Yeah. Ooh. Um I think that's just kind of like life in general, right? If you don't love, I see is it's an internally referenced concept. So if you don't love yourself, then you can't experience, you won't experience a greater depth of love for everything else around you. So mm-hmm. for me, everything that I do comes from that place of, of self-love from honoring myself in that moment and knowing that if I fill up my own cup, then everything else will flow from that. And yeah. you'll be able to experience relationships with greater depth. You'll be able to experience the world with greater depth from that place of, of fullness within yourself. So I think it's kind of, it's not like one thing that I do, it's everything. Yeah, Everything totally. comes back to that. No, that makes total sense because a, a lot of the time I feel like people think of self-love as being like one activity that you do, yeah. but it is, it comes out in every moment, yeah. which is so cool. Me time, you've spoken a little bit about me time throughout this whole uh, conversation. What is your favourite way to spend me time? Like if you had one activity to do. I love going to the beach. Yeah. Um, I grew up on the beach. That's kind of my like favourite thing to do. I don't see my like yoga and meditation practices. They're kind of like my non-negotiables, just part of my life. Yeah. Um, I know for some people that's like their their me time that they have as in addition to what else they do, whereas mm. that's that's part of what I do. So the other stuff is is getting out, going to the beach. I love that. I love going for it's long walks. I love yeah. just staring at the horizon. I love swimming in the ocean. Like that's my ultimate happy place. Yeah, you just feel so good at the beach. Oh, I'm so in flow <laughs> when I'm there. I love it. <laughs> um, with sleep, do you have a routine at home before bedtime? Because obviously you're busy, you've got so many things on the go and yeah. sleep is such a crucial part of that mm. do you have a routine around yeah sleep, sleep is a is a big one um and I, I I've been very guilty in the past of not getting enough of it and that's something that in the last couple of years that I've I've made again one of those non-negotiables of mm. like okay if you're going to get up at 5 a.m you need to be in bed by nine totally. like that's your yeah. cutoff point um so one thing that both my partner and I try to be strict on is, is no phones. It's yeah, something that's so easy to do is to sit in bed and scroll. And get in the habit of doing and that too. And just yeah. in the blue lights and all that sort of stuff. So the, the routine that I usually have is sort of when, once it gets dark, I turn off all the lights and just have my salt lamps or candles um, just to kind of redu- reduce that blue light exposure. No yeah. laptops in bed. As best as I can, I'll you know put my phone in the other room or if I'm using, my, using it for my alarm, then I'll just – I'll turn it on, do not disturb. I'll turn all the brightness off. <laughs> you are done for the day. Stay where you are. Um, and then kind of that, you know, that nighttime ritual of, of winding down and trying to do things like read a book or do some more yin style yoga or whatever it is that's sort of, I try not to eat too close to going to mm, bed because I know that makes that's me a feel big one. Yeah. So I'll try and eat earlier. I'll go for a nice little digestive walk after dinner and then like watching the sunset. I usually meditate in the afternoon sort of before all of that. Um, and then, yeah, start to have those rituals of, yeah, the note of turning the lights down, of reading a book, of doing those things that relax you. Just slowing um, down. Just slowing down and 
not being on your phone is such a big one. I know, but it's so easy to do. It's so it's easy just to there. Do. It's just there. It's like, oh, I got a message. I'll just check it. And all of a sudden you're on you're Instagram. You're on Instagram. Yeah. 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 So it's just being really strict on that. And I think mm. having, for me, having a partner makes that easier because you have an accountability buddy. Totally. It's not just you going, I'll just let myself get away with it. It's someone being like, babe, you're on your phone again. Oh, crap. Yep. Good. And then it's, you know, you catch him doing the same thing. So, yeah. Totally. No, that's awesome. Environment. Um, I believe that small actions by many people can make a huge impact. I think a lot of people think that I'm one person, I can't really mm-hmm. make a change. But if everybody made a small change, it would make a drastic change. Mm-hmm. What's one little thing that you do to help the environment? Um, I love that you said that because it's so true. I think we forget how much power we have as individuals to make a change for the collective. Yeah, It's, it's huge. Um, so those little things I think are what makes the difference to the overall whole. Mm. Um, I have a keep cup. I take my water bottle everywhere. Um, I've switched to using as much like non, um, reusable plastics as possible. Yeah. So a friend of mine runs an amazing company called Cappy. So I have like her whole entire range amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So good. of all the silicon bags and the things like that, like just being way more conscious in that waste. Mm-hmm. And like, it kind of, I get really frustrated if I'm, if I'm in a situation like my partner and I have a van and we'll go away on van trips and things. And sometimes you roll up to a country town and your only option is coals. And then yeah. you go in and all the organic fruits and vegetables are wrapped oh, in plastic. So bad. And I'm it's like, so bad. I actually can't, I actually have to buy a non-organic capsicum because I cannot justify why this is wrapped in plastic and I'm mm. getting, I just, it, oh. yeah. so as much as possible, try and shop at like bulk foods and things like that where, you know, you're reducing every, I think every little thing counts. And, Absolutely. Just um, becoming conscious becoming of it. Becoming conscious of it and being mm. really mindful of where you get your produce from and how you're consuming things, your waste, um, and actually taking the time to educate yourself on that because mm-hmm. I think it's very easy to kind of greenwash it with like, oh, yeah, I've got this like, you know, hashtag eco-friendly it doesn't like marketing will literally kill you it means nothing and as someone who comes from that background it's all fluff so actually educating you on okay this person's telling me that this product's more sustainable but why yeah should i be switching to this oh actually that does xyz getting your information from credible sources rather than just not just believing a blog you read on instagram totally and and educating yourself and making an empowered informed decision about how you're going to actually create that change we have a compost at home we like to do stuff like that yeah Yeah. amazing last but not least is fun (laughs) if you had a free day in your calendar with no commitments just a you day what would you do um ideally i'd be somewhere near a beach which makes not so much sense that i live in melbourne Move to talking. But yeah, right. Well, I'm in, I'm in Elwood, so I go to the beach quite a lot. But typically I love to, I'll get up in the morning, I'll do a yoga practice, I'll meditate, then I'll do a workout. Um, then I'd probably go and get a coffee at a local cafe, chill for a bit, do some writing, some journaling, and then ideally head to the beach and, and kind of chill there for the afternoon. And then like dream day would then be somehow stumble across a farmer's market on the way home, yes. buy a bunch of food, and then make a delicious dinner for uh, like a dinner party or something. That's one of my favorite oh, things to do so is, is to cook for people. Yes. So it's like dream life day. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I love that. Totally. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Exactly. I know our listeners will get so much from you, just a ball of inspiration. Where can they find you? So if you want to follow along on Instagram, um, <laughs> if you don't, that's also okay. You're allowed to unfollow me. <laughs> uh, it's Emma Maidment with an underscore at the end. Or you, if you want to find out about any of the retreats or events and things that I've got coming up, you can just head to emmamaidment.com. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> 
wonderful is Emma. She is just so positive with such a wonderful perspective on life. I just feel like she is just a breath of fresh air. Please remember that Emma is offering a free class to each of our listeners at Flow State Studios. So their website is flowstatestudios.com and the code that you'll need to use to get your free class is Retreat Flow, which I'll also write in the show notes. I really hope you've enjoyed listening along to today's episode. And if you have a moment, I would absolutely love if you could leave me a review. It really just helps me to know that I'm on the right track with everything. Thank you so much, guys, and I'll see you next week. 